Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalms, but it's a little bit, I think in the bulletin it may say 1 through 5. It's actually 1 through 15. Psalm 77, so if you have a Bible, you have to follow, you'll follow along. If you're in your bulletin, you'll be kind of left at 5. <laughs> All right. One thing, every time I'm up here, the focal link on my glasses is a little bit different from what the podium is. So I'm going to just pick this thing up so I can see. Uh, Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart when my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at the end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Who are the God who works wonders? You, excuse me, you are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeem your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. I'm going to start by, by, by recounting about 10 years ago when I first moved back to Oxford um, and, uh, you know, when I first came on staff here at Christ Press in 2010, Lindsay and I were not uh, married yet. And um, the Craigers, Robin, Moan, Craigers were very were kind enough to, um, members here at this church, many of you know them, um, to have me stay at their, uh, to live in their home for a year while Rob was away in, on sabbatical up in Chicago. Well, Rob's mother had passed away just a little before that time. And, um, and, and Kurt um, <clears throat> decided to plant a tree, fa fancy that, Kurt planting a tree, um, in the Krager's uh, yard as a way to remember. Um, all right. I think it was a Japanese magnolia. Was it a Japanese magnolia? I can't remember. Um, but anyway, so he, um, but I had just come in, I just moved in. And so, um, so, so Kurt calls me and he says, hey, I planted a tree in the yard. And, um, and, and he says, you need every evening to soak this tree. Cause you know, it's, it's like middle of, it was like beginning of July, right? So he says, every evening you need to soak this tree. So, so I'm, you know, of course I'm, I'm here. I, do, I don't know Kurt that well. And so, so I said, of course, I'm, I'll, I'll soak the tree. So, um, so, so, but, but what, I, but, but what happened was, is that, you, you know, soaking the tree was just not part of the rhythm of my day. I mean, I mean you know, I, I had not, you know, soaked trees before, right? So, so, 
But what happens, but, so what happened was, I remember there were many evenings, right? I've already showered, I'm already on the way to bed, and I forget, I was like, oh, I forgot, I forgot to soak the tree. So I'm out there dragging the hose, soaking the tree. And there were many times on those nights, I always, um, I always, you know, thought, it's like, you know, it'd be so much better if this was a rock, you know? Um, you know, it could even have pictures of trees on it. I mean, you know, but because then it wouldn't bother, it wouldn't, wouldn't mess with the rhythm of my day, all right? But, but because it was a tree, because it was not something that was erected, but something that was planted, um, it, it, in, in a way, it, it forced me out of, uh, out of the way that I normally lived um, to include that as, as the way that I would, in some way, remember. Now, I tell you that story because one of the, if, if, you have, if you have the psalm in front of you, you have the text in front of you, one of the words that actually occurs a number of times in this text is the word remember. And I think what happens is whenever we think about that word remember, um, I don't know what, what image comes to your mind when you think of that. But for me, it always, you know, I, I, it's always a sense of, you know, I have this idea of me sitting like in an exam hall. Um, and I come across a difficult question or a math problem I'm trying to solve, and I'm trying to rack my brain trying to remember, remember to recall some bit of information that I received in the past that somehow had fallen out of my head. And, and I don't think that's the picture that we have in this text at all when we think about what the Bible tells us about what, what does it mean to remember. Because I think when the Bible asks us to remember, it's, it's not just to do something once, but in some ways, it's more a practice of remembering. Maybe another image that would be more helpful would be uh, a rehearsal. Um, in some ways, where there is a practice of remembering, a lived memory, if you will. And that fits very well with, uh, with Psalm 77. It is, after all, a song. Um, in fact, if you are looking at the text and if you look at the top of the, the headings on this text, it actually says to the director of music of Asaph, uh, who was one of the leaders in, um, in the temple, uh, who led temple worship in Jerusalem. So in some ways, this, is, it, it, this could have been, a, 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 it, it, as you can look from the text, it's a deeply personal psalm, but it is not private. It is something that in some way God's people rehearsed together. They practiced remembering together. And, and, that's, and that's how I want us to enter into this as we, as we, um, as we even close out this series on understanding, uh, on, on this theme of what does it mean to look at the God of all comfort. And I, and I want to put before you that in some way, we are being called to remember. But probably not in the way that we would normally think. And I think the, the psalm gives us uh, images, a picture. I would, I'm, I'm going I'm to suggest two pictures, uh, two images uh, by which we can learn what does it mean to remember. All right. So firstly, the image that we have is, is of someone who is looking at God through their circumstances. That's where it begins. The next image that this moves on to is someone who is looking at their circumstances through God. All right, so we begin by looking at God through our circumstances, which then moves 
to looking at our circumstances to God. So if you, look, so if you have the text in front of you, the, the, the first part of the psalm is, it, it's, it begins in what, what we would call in the way that we would call is a, a, a lament. Um, it's, it's a sad song. Um, if you want to put it, put it even more crudely, it's the, you know, life sucks song, right? In, in some ways, in some way, he's looking at his circumstances. We, we're not sure what exactly it is. It could be, have been some infirmity. It could, be, it could have been some situation. Regardless, it was something that was difficult. It was hard that has brought him to a place of great distress and anxiety. It's even, he, you could even say there's a sense of, well, kind of pessimistic. He's, he's a little pessimistic. A little, there's a lot of pessimism involved. A little cynicism, maybe. Uh, even, as, even as you get into verses 7 through 9 of the psalm. Because what's happening is, is that in, in some ways, the, the psalmist is being confronted with the reality of circumstances. And he's looking at God in the midst of that. Now, through that. Now, you might be looking at some of these words here. I mean, think about, look, if you look, if you have your Bibles, in look, it says, if you look at verse 3, it says, when I remember God, I moan. It says, when I meditate in my heart, my spirit faints. And then look, look at how, look at the questions that he, that, he, that he starts asking when he gets into verse 7 through 9, and he, and, he, and he says, has God's steadfast love ceased forever, right? Has God's unfailing love failed? Has, has his promises come to an end? Has, has he forgotten to be gracious? Uh, you know, in some ways, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's questions that we would say, you might say, well, you know, I think I might be a little bit too sanctified to ask those questions. Um, but, it, but there's a reality here, a blunt reality in which the psalmist, those questions come out of him. When he meditates in his heart, that's the stuff that comes out. And, and I think the, the Psalms gives us a boldness to be able to say those things, uh, to, to not shrink away. Now, you might say, well, isn't like complaining a bad thing? Well, it is when, when you're not complaining to God. I mean, if you look at the story of the Old Testament, you know, the problem that whenever, whenever the people were grumbling, it was always grumbling against Moses. It was always grumbling against God. In some ways, they were murmuring among themselves. Um, and that was the problem. Uh, you know, in, in some ways, the invitation from God is always, if you have got something to say, go ahead and say it to him. Um, and, and in some ways, God's invitation to us, in some ways, is for that. I mean, how often have we cried aloud to no one or maybe screamed at the television. I don't know, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that we find ourselves that we might be mad at or upset at. And God says, why, 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 why do they, that voice not come up to me? And that's the picture, I think, that we have at the beginning of this text. I mean, these questions are, these questions here in verses 7 through 9 are in some ways the, 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 the honestly where he is. Now, he doesn't stop here. This is where he begins. Right? In some ways, he, is, he, he, he says, it says here, he's, he made a diligent search of his own heart. Um, 
And as it's exposed to God, these are the questions that come to his mind and that is voiced. Um, in, the old, in the Old Testament, over and over again, the problem, actually you can read about, there's one example in Exodus 17, when it says that they, it was a, they named the place Massa and Mario because they quarreled with God and because they asked the question, is God among us or not? Right? Because the people of Israel were kind of, even though they were God's people, they, were, they had become kind of spiritual agnostics. Right? Is God among us? We're not sure. I don't know. And in some ways, what, 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 what we have in Psalm 77 is a reality of someone who knows God is real, that God is true, that, that his love is there. And yet, what he feels, where his heart is, is those things are being called into question. And God says, come to him with those questions. And I think that's what you have at the beginning of this text. But, but that is where the psalmist begins. Okay? That, in some ways, that's where he is looking at God through in the midst of his circumstances. Right? If, you're, if, you're, you know, if, you're, if, if this is a song, it would be in a minor key. Um, if, it, you know, if, it, if, it, if it was a song, it would be, you know, you know I don't know, if, it's, if you're crying out aloud, would it be loud? Um, a little bit messy? A little dissonant? Right, because if you look at if you look at it, it's it's in some in some sense it's it's all over the place. But you know, maybe as maybe Presbyterian Reform types, you know, we we like to have prepared prayers, right? We you know we want we want to come with God in an orderly fashion, and that is true and that is good. There's a lot of examples in the Psalms about that. But maybe there's there are times when God's when 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 what comes out of us to God is is messy, and God says, you know what, that's okay. That's okay. Right? So I, that, that is a place that the psalmist begins. But keep looking down the text because that's not where he sends. That, that's not where it ends. So when, he's, when he starts, he's looking within his heart, and those are the questions that, that come up. Then in verse 10, he said, what he, 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 there's a switch there because he says, he, he, says that, that, he says, then I said, he says, I will remember the works of the Lord. His deeds of old. He says, that, that is what I will remember. That, that is what I will make a practice of remembering. And we, we don't have the, we, we, if the rest of the psalm actually, the, the way it ends, it actually kind of moves towards an event that was huge in the life of the people of Israel, the crossing of the Red Sea. Um, in fact, that's, that's the imagery that we have in, in, the, in, in, the, book, in, in, in the psalms. But... But what I want us to actually focus in on here is, is, this, is this idea when he actually, what leads him to in verse 13, he says, he says, he says, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Question mark. It's, it's in, in some ways, that's what he is pondering on. As he's been pondering on his heart and his circumstances, what what he's being led to is the character of God, who he is, and what he has done. Now, you might say that's rather simplistic, but, but you know, th this idea is, is, happens in other places in, in our Bibles. I mean, you know, think about Jesus when he is 
talking in the Sermon on the Mount when he's looking out to the crowds and he's, and he's telling them, don't worry about your life. Right? Don't, don't worry about your life or you know, what, what you will eat or what food, what you will eat or clothes or what you will wear. And then what does Jesus say after that? He says, look at the birds. Right? He says, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns. He says, look at the lilies of the field. Look how your heavenly Father clothes them. And then what does Jesus do? He says, he asks the question, aren't you much more valuable than they? Question mark. Right? In some ways, Jesus' invitation is, consider, look, and then ask, are you not much more valuable than they? Paul does this in Romans chapter 8. Right? In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, verse, verse 32, Romans chapter 8, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Question mark. Right? Your con our contemplation on that question rests solely on that first statement. If God, who did not spare his own son, gave him up for us all, ponder that. How will he not also graciously give us all things? In some ways, there's an invitation, I think, each time when we go through difficulties, when things are difficult, all right, is to come to God right there, right then, in the midst of our circumstances, as the psalmist does, not to be quiet about it, as the psalmist does, to let the questions that we have be spoken aloud to God, as the psalmist does, and then move to consider the reality of who God is, and then ask the question, as the psalmist does. And it, it, and I think that is part of the road, in a ways. Because now, look, if you if you if, you, if you're looking at Psalm 77, that that, that 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 there's something that's missing here. There's no prayer request in this whole psalm. He doesn't ask God for anything. In in, in other words, the questions that he's asking of God, he, he in some ways he's asking of his own self. He's putting himself up on the stand. He's asking the questions. You know. Has God's, has God's love failed? Has his promises come to an end? Has God forgotten to be favorable? Has in his anger, God has he shut up his compassion? I mean, in some ways, he's asking himself all of those questions. But, you know, for us, often when things are difficult, the first, the first, the first thing that comes out of us is we're asking God for something. In some ways, I think we need to flip it around and, says, and ask ourselves, those questions. What God is great like our God? Question mark. Right? I mean, and, 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 and I think the, the, the way that we answer that question is as the psalmist does and as Jesus tells us to do and as Paul tells us to do is to, is to consider, is to consider God himself and his saving work. Um, Calvin, in his commentary, says, you know, often what happens is that this, this, this task 
often appears way too much work and too hard for us. And what, always, and what sometimes happens is that sometimes when we get closer to God, our sorrows actually get aggravated. Right? It, it, it doesn't get better. And so guess what? We step away, don't we? Right? Because, you know, we want to numb the pain. We want to get away from it as far as possible. But, but the road to restoration is to come to God where we are exactly in the frame of mind that we are and then move to consider God. There's, there's no other way. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's not easy, right? It's not easy. But it is in some ways the road that is marked out for us. But on the other side, you should know, we should know that God's redemptive act, God's work of salvation is amazing. Right? It, it's, not, it's, not, it's no small thing. And that's why the imagery that he has here is this Red Sea event, because in the mind of the people of Israel in the Old Testament, that was the salvation event, right? the way that God defeated his enemies, right? the way that the, all of that was put down, and he brought them into, and he brought them out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, through the wilderness, into the promised land. That's the road that we're on. Right, that's the road that we're on. Let me close here, but in, in, um, some of you may know the, the, the great hymn writer, William Cooper. William Cooper wrote many hymns, but the story of all great William Cooper, if you don't know about it, was that he spent years, he, he actually went insane. Um, and so he, you know, he, was, he wrote beautiful poetry, he wrote beautiful hymns, but he always lived on the edge. His mind was always on the brink of insanity. And in 1873, right, in about 1873, there were some events in his life. He had, you know, he had spent some time in an insane asylum, and he had had some years where he wasn't. But in about, in about 1871, 1872, he started, there, there were some events in the life where he could almost feel his mind, his, him losing his mind. And he attempted suicide. He attempted suicide at them because he just wanted to end it. Um, but in 1873, at that point, just, just at that point, just at that, at, at that brink, he wrote a hymn, a hymn that we, 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 we I think we have sung it before, um, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. Um, and, God, and, and that hymn is actually based on Psalm 77. Um, it's actually, actually, if you look at the, the, the first verse of the, of the hymn, is God moves, God, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. That's actually in, in this text uh, where it talks about God's footsteps on the sea and God riding on, on the storm. But the verse that I think kind of captures, uh, the, 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 the phrase that, that, the, 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 that the hymn captures uh, for us is when he, in, in the last verse, when he talks about this idea of, of, you know, that blind unbelief is vain, right? Our blind unbelief is vain. I mean, in, in, some, in, in, in some ways, he says, if we are resting on our own resources, if we are trying to figure God's plan out, God's will out, God's purposes out, in the midst of that, he said, you know, he says, it's, he says it's, it's, all, it's all in vain. But he says, at the end, he says, God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. 
And what I think William Cooper is trying to get at is, you know, in some ways when, you know, if you look at the psalm, the, the psalmist is pondering, he's musing, he's meditating. You have so much of those words where he, he's doing that and he's, he's looking at God through the midst of his circumstances. But where he rests, where he ends up, is in some ways in the person of who God is himself. And that is not a resignation. That is a resting. And, and, and I think that's what William Cooper captures when he says, but God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Right? You, we, we, for us trying to read, as people say, read providence, trying to read God's hand in it, is not, is, it, it's not, it, it, it often doesn't work. But resting in God and knowing that God will make it plain because he himself is his own interpreter is the best place for us to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for your word. And we thank you again, Lord, for the psalm. Lord, we ask now, Lord, that even um, in our own, um, in our own um, maybe in the quietness of our own heart, in our own homes, or maybe among, even among your people, when we, when we recount to one another, um, Lord, teach us what does it mean to rehearse you, um, to be honest with you, uh, where we are. But at the end of the day, Lord, to, um, to let that lead us to rehearse who you are, um, to, question, to, to ask those questions of ourselves, um, and ultimately to find our rest in you. Um, Lord, there's no other place to be and there's nowhere else to live, for your ways are holy and what God is great like our God. Um, grant us a fresh view of that even uh, this morning. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.